Well, one thing that I will say is uh, after last week's episode, I almost don't want to watch heterosexual sex anymore. No. <laughs> no, they're taking it for granted. <laughs> is what I'm going to say. They're just pumping away. No passion, no technique. No, not at all. We're going to correct that. Yes, we are. We're going to get passionate and technical. Yes, let's get very technical right now. I need to know all about Blu-ray specs. Okay. I need to know all about TVs. I want to hear all the numbers. Let's get technical. Okay. Uh, is 720p good? Uh, no. Is it bad? From a modern perspective, kind of. It's it's better than standard definition 480p. Well, my eyes only work in standard definition. Oh, well, in that case, it's fine. Okay. Everything <laughs> is always vaguely fuzzy. You wear glasses. Yeah. Aren't you supposed to wear glasses? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to look like a nerd. Uh, <laughs> but, like... But, I, but if you if you take off your glasses and watch like a movie in like 4K, is it any clearer? Probably not. I oh. mean, if if the if the master from the older version was really terrible for other reasons other than the resolution, yeah. maybe it would look a little bit better. But it would still I will say that HDR, which. Uh, has some differences with the color volume and the brightness of things is probably something I might be able to uh, tell a difference of with my glasses off, uh, which is part of the 4K spec. Do you think I would notice a difference? With HDR, yes. I might have to do a back and forth, but if I did a back and forth, you would notice the difference. I regret starting this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, let's talk about something I understand, like boys and pornography. All right. Well, uh, welcome to the Rainbow Report. Oh, yeah. This we is the Boss name. here with Jeremy. Hello. Did we introduce ourselves last episode? We did. Okay. We did. Yeah, we got there. Okay. <laughs> it's a little late to be worrying about that now. Well, uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> People know what they click on, though. They shouldn't have to be introduced every time. They're not children. I guess so. I I, it's just to, a format thing. I have to hold their hand. I have a OCD about things. I want to hold their hand and I drag them along through the zoo too fast. And they don't get to see any of the animals they want. <laughs> That's the kind of experience Boss wants you to have. Uh, we're going to stop and pause and take in all the natural splendor of in, uh, coastal New York. Uh, yes. yes. The, the wonderful sights of Fire Island. And uh, the beautiful boys in the sand. Oh, yeah. That's what we're talking about this week. Right. This week we are talking about 1971's Boys in the Sand, directed by Wakefield Poole. Mm -hmm. Boys in the Sand is historically an incredibly important film, yes. um, particularly in the genre of gay pornography, but yeah. also in the genre porn. of pornography as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, I listened to... Um Probably about half that Rialto report they did with Wakefield Pool. Okay. So I got some of the good, like, historical details. But, like, when they started talking to him, the earbuds I had in were kind of 
he I think he was like calling in, so I was having trouble picking up everything he was saying. Mm. And I just never went back to it. You need to get <laughs> hearing aids to go with your glasses. Oh my god, I'm dying and old. <laughs> no, these are just like little fucking dollar earbuds that I steal from work. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Every time they break, I steal another pair. I, I need to buy you some five dollar earbuds. Okay. <laughs> it's easier to steal and more fun. Uh, yes, but then you don't understand what's happening in your ears. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on in my head. Like oh, a, your amazing brain. <laughs> it's like a bunch of buzzing bees that never stop. And those bees all have chainsaws. Oh, yeah. It's so loud. It's like uh, Donkey Kong Country 3, the uh, bees with the buzz saws on Oh, yeah, Leatherface, Donkey Kong Country 3. Oh, where yeah. the bees all have bus <laughs> chainsaws? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love that one. Uh, <laughs> but no, but, but I heard most of it. Uh, it is historically significant. Yes. Uh, on IMDb, it says it's the only porn film to be reviewed in the New York Times, which mm-hmm. is a pretty big claim. So I thought when I went to look for it on Google that I would find it pretty quickly, but I could not. Okay. I couldn't dig it up. I'm very disappointed. There was a bunch of other stuff about boys, but not the ones I wanted. Okay. So let's take a moment to talk a little bit about the background of this film, and in particular, Wakefield Poole, the director. Let's do it. uh, Who we will probably circle back around to uh, during the Rainbow Report. But Mm -hmm. to give a little bit of background, Wakefield Poole was a dancer, a choreographer, uh, somebody who worked in show business and live theater and had a pretty successful career in uh, more mainstream theatrics. Yeah, I was surprised that he was like a a Broadway choreographer, Mm -hmm. which was pretty cool. He worked with a bunch of people whose names I know, but... yeah. I'm not a Broadway guy, right? Right. But I know I know Sondheim, Sondheim, yeah. And the oh shit, there's two of them. Uh, Barnum and Bailey. Bob, he works with Bob Fosse, which is a name I know. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sondheim, the Statler brothers. <laughs> They're like a country duo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Broadway. Okay, so but but that, that's not too terribly important. The name dropping isn't quite as important. But uh, some people might be impressed. <laughs> the the point is that you should be impressed. Uh, I'm very impressed. And not to uh, give too much of an advertisement for another podcast, but there is an excellent interview with Wakefield Pool on the Rialto Report in one yeah. of the earlier episodes. We don't interview anyone. Uh, no, we don't have any credibility. Does anyone in the podcasting world? I mean, Some of them. yes. <laughs> Not us. Oh, yeah. Uh, but anyhow. We know uh, we know the Crypt Keeper. Oh, kind yeah. Of. He loves the Raincoat Review. Yeah. He <laughs> just skips to the end segment to hear what we think about the movies. Yes, and I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this, you're fucking stupid. Uh, anyhow. <laughs> So, the genesis of Boys in the Sand is this. Uh, Wakefield Poole and his partner at the time, Peter Schneckenberger, who was known also as Peter Fisk, which was his uh, name in this film. Yes. Um, They were together, and Peter got Wakefield a camera. Uh, He didn't know anything about filmmaking, really, but he had this uh, 
camera. I believe it might be an 8mm camera. It's 8 or 16. And he had to wind it up, which meant that uh, a lot of the shots, especially in this film, which he uh, made with that camera, were a bit shorter because he had to manually wind it up and it could only hold, I think he said it was 50 feet of film at a time. It's not very much. Uh, no. So uh, those were all things that made his job a bit harder, but he also wasn't a filmmaker. So yeah. to him, he noted that, you know, he didn't know the difference really. Yeah. I think this movie was like $5,000, I think is like the total, total budget, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Pretty low budget. I think he did good for basically being like an indie filmmaker right. in 1971 for uh, sure so he was at fire island uh with peter and uh they and a, another friend were hanging out and wakefield had the idea of filming them having sex peter his lover at the time mm -hmm. and uh i don't remember the name of the other guy he is not in the final film no oh okay so gotcha okay so uh, he Peter, had an idea, and then he retooled his idea later. Sort of. Sort so of. I'll get to that here in okay. a second. So Peter and the other gentleman had sex for the camera in Wakefield Pool. Again, not a filmmaker, but somebody who has an eye for production, having worked on all this uh, show business stuff, um, used his camera in a way that he mentioned was uh, kind of him being able to interact in the sex act with the camera itself just as an observer and what they filmed was something that very closely resembled the first scene in the final version of boys in the sand okay after filming this he showed it to some of his friends and uh they found it very uh very well made yes. um to take a step back Wakefield Pool had gone to see a gay porn film mm -hmm. with his friends. Uh, I think it was like Highway Hustler. Something, something like, like that. that. I think he just kind of mentioned it. just kind of like one of those basic loops at the time. Yeah. So yeah. He, he talked about how just kind of gross it was. He talked about how... You know, it was, gay, it was he saw the gay version of Succula. <laughs> basically, uh, he just talked about how grimy and dirty it was, and how he really wished that they would make a, a gay porn film that was something a bit cleaner and uh, more pleasant, and something that he would feel good about having gone and seen versus something he just kind of felt gross after watching. So that was kind of part of what he had in his mind while he was making this short mm -hmm. that he made. Uh, he showed it to his friends, and they definitely were very supportive of it. They thought that it was very beautifully done. So he ended up securing a little bit more financing uh, from his manager at the time and decided to make this a feature-length film by taking the footage that he already had right. and adding a couple other segments to it. Unfortunately, the actor who had had sex with Peter in the original film mm -hmm. wanted a large sum of money. I believe Wakefield said $2,000, and that's $2,000 of 1970 money. What? This movie um, only costs 5000 sir. Uh, yes, so... You can't take up, like, <laughs> to half the, almost half the budget. Fucking diva. Yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> because of that... Wakefield decided to reshoot the scene that he had already shot. Right. Um, because he was not going to pay that much money for no, it. No, it would be absurd. 
Now, that original scene is actually on the Vinegar Syndrome DVD of Boys in the Sand as okay. an extra. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, it, it's actually on there, and you can see it. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I skipped through it, and it is almost exactly the same right. scene from the beginning of the final film. They, so, uh, the Vinegar Syndrome have to pay out $2,000? I don't think so. I think it, it's probably some loophole about it being a special feature on a DVD versus a theatrical feature film. Just put whatever I want on a DVD, <laughs> and it's legal. Uh, maybe. As long as it's a special feature. Perhaps. I just have to write that it doesn't represent the opinions of whatever company I'm stealing it from. <laughs> <laughs> so Wakefield had to recast that role. Um, and he talked to a few of his friends about it and uh, was introduced to Calvin Culver, who would go on to be known under the name that he took in this film, which was Casey Donovan. Wakefield was immediately struck by Calvin, or Casey's, uh, appearance. He was a very, very handsome man. And, uh, Casey ended up being the key player in this film, appearing in all three of the vignettes in it. In addition to Casey and, uh, Peter, who had made the original scene, we also ended up picking up Danny DiCoccio. Yeah, who, I couldn't... I tried to read his name in the sand, and I was like, Danny DiCoccio. <laughs> I really was struggling with his. I believe he was a bartender on Fire Island. And then Tommy Moore, who was in the final scene, who was also a Fire Island uh, resident. I can't remember what his trade was, but... Uh, the last guy? Yes. He... He's a, like he's like he a, a cable li- guy. He's like a lineman or something. I don't know. Is that like? No, I, I don't know if that's his real job. No, I don't know. <laughs> that's what he was in the movie. Uh, yes, he was a boy in the sand, and that's what's most important. Yeah, that supersedes everything else in his life. <laughs> so, uh, with the cast in tow, Wakefield Pool would go on to film the film and uh, complete it. And once completed. Uh, he had some private screenings with mm-hmm. friends and uh, Bob some industry people. And Sondheim. Sondheim. And, and Bob Fosse came over to watch Boys in the Sand. Yeah. Uh, he had Ed McMahon outside with a case of beers. <laughs> that I was thinking about that when I was listening to the Rialto Report interview. Because they mentioned like celebrities went to see it. But yeah. I could. I didn't get to like a point where they like name dropped anybody, but that's what I was thinking of. Is <laughs> Ed McMahon trying to lure people into uh, to deep throat to watch all this sodomy? Yeah, yeah. No, this um, one in particular, uh, but yeah, deep throat too. Yeah. Well, so that's kind of one of the key narratives here is that uh, Wakefield Pool contends, and the timeline matches up. That mm-hmm. Deep Throat basically stole its marketing campaign from him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Deep Throat came well after, well, shortly after Boys in the Sand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, indeed, Boys in the Sand did do it first uh, as far mm. as the marketing's concerned. Yeah. He was able to get an ad in, I believe, the New York Times daily mm-hmm. uh, for a period of time. Excellent. And uh, changed up the tagline on the ad repeatedly with uh, various uh, different quotes and stuff like that. Cool. Um, I like that. So it had some mainstream press there. Uh, it was reviewed in Variety, and as you said, it was reviewed in the New York Times. Couldn't find it. But I think it was the first adult film reviewed in Variety. 
Um, it was not the only, like mm-hmm. in the New York Times case, because right. Deep Throat the, the did and one. some other stuff yeah. was later. But it was, you know, first there. And it the was New York Times porn archives. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what's going on down there. You know, so it was given this mainstream push, even though it was, uh, you know, in the 1970s, the uh, idea of gay pornography isn't necessarily the most mainstream category of film. But it, like Deep Throat later, had kind of a uh, cult following mm-hmm. and indeed uh, had some attention from the mainstream and some celebrities and such. Uh, yeah. I think one of the keys there is, uh, you know, at the time, because of the stigma around things, uh, the celebrities themselves weren't apt to uh, jump out and yeah. uh, talk about it a whole lot, probably. They were cowards um, and we are not. Right. Cary <laughs> uh, Grant, was he gay? I, I don't know. Is he the one that Reagan just was like, sorry, buddy, you're going to die of AIDS. Was it Rock Hudson? Yeah. Yes. That's the one. Rock Hudson saw it. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> I'm going to drag in a bunch of people. Uh, let's come up with some celebrities who saw it. O.J. Simpson? Uh, yeah. O.J. Simpson saw it. Uh, so Robert Shaw? Robert Shaw, definitely. Um, the Spielberg saw it. That's where he got the idea for Jaws. Right. <laughs> Him and Robert Shaw went to see it. <laughs> um, Akira Kurosawa yeah, saw it. Yeah, he saw it. Uh, the Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> <laughs> he saw it. <laughs> uh, uh, Jacques Cousteau. Yeah, I think he saw it. Uh he was interested because of all the water. Right. That drew him to it. The, it's sand, the sand was just uh, icing on the cake for him. <laughs> uh, who else saw it? Uh, Richard Nixon saw it. Yeah. And he got so mad about it. And they impeached him because he didn't like it. <laughs> well, that's what happened there. That's a little history lesson. Um, Michael Caine saw it. Yeah. Uh, Fuzzy. There's no one named Fuzzy, is there? Isn't there like a golfer, Fuzzy Zoller or something? Yeah, Fuzzy Zoller saw it. <laughs> Him and Jack Nicholas. And Jack Nicholson. Yeah, Jack Nicholson and uh, Jack Nicholson's Dennis studio Hopper. honcho dad saw it. Yeah, and Dennis Hopper. Yeah, they saw it while they were riding across the country during Easy Rider. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyhow. So those are, yeah, that's just a small consider smattering. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, overall, Boys in the Sand was a huge success financially for him and uh, helped launch Wakefield's career. Wakefield would go on to direct several other films, uh, mostly in the gay adult genre, although he tried to break out a bit with his film bible uh which was not a success unfortunately yeah i, I do still want to i want to cover that one at some point yeah for sure i want to see how it stacks up to what i learned at school <laughs> so there's there's a lot of good stuff here and we'll uh we'll be back to talk a bit more about wakefield pool later in the month but um it was also a launching point for casey donovan the star here yeah um casey donovan himself wasn't in as many films as a lot of the uh, adult stars that we've talked about, but 
Uh, he was in 23 different films, and he had kind of a, a level of notoriety from being in this film and some others. Sure. Uh, he was also in the opening of Misty Beethoven. Oh, yeah, he sure as, uh, was. Jacques Boudin, the art dealer. Oh, yeah, the one that she seduces. Uh, yes. Okay, all right, it's all coming together now. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he was in a few of Wakefield's other films. Uh, he was also in Score for Adley Metzger as well, okay, in, in cool. addition to uh, Misty Beethoven. But right. uh, he would ultimately, unfortunately, pass away of AIDS in the 80s. That is unfortunate. Indeed. Uh, Wakefield Pool talked about how a lot of the people that he was around in the 80s, of course, had, had passed away from AIDS yeah. uh, during yeah. that big uh, surge of the AIDS epidemic in the 80s. Right. He himself mentioned that he thinks the only reason that he survived was because he was strung out on cocaine and because of the amount of cocaine he was doing, he was having less sex than he had been in the past. And Damn. You know, cocaine so, can save a life. Uh, in this case, I guess so. <laughs> And Wakefield's career uh, as a filmmaker ended up ending because of an age-related issue in mm -hmm. that uh, in his final film, uh, one of the stars came out the day after he mm -hmm. finished shooting as AIDS positive, oh. as HIV positive. Right, right. And uh, there was a narrative that Wakefield intentionally let him be in the film knowing mm. that he had HIV and endangered the other actors in the film. Gotcha. He contends that that is not the case. Yeah. Um, as I would imagine most people would. Yeah. Uh, I don't I, think that he probably would have. Yeah. I can't really like, unless you're just like a real piece of shit and he doesn't seem like one. Right. Like letting that happen. Like he's not, uh, he's not a John Holmes type. Right. Who's just like, I'm just going to keep fucking even though I have it because we're all going to get it and die. Right. Right. Uh, no, I don't think so. I I don't know, but just uh, it doesn't feel, doesn't smell right, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm going to land on in Wakefield's pool on this one. Um, so that was his last film. One, two, three is what it was called. Okay. And he was effectively blackballed afterwards because, you know, nobody wanted to hire him because of this narrative that had mm -hmm. developed around him. Right. But in addition, just the fact that he had been a gay pornographer for years uh, helped ruin his job aspirations in other fields as well. Sure. So uh, he ended up having to kind of get a normal job and move on with his life at that point. Um, the top user review on IMDb for 1, 2, 3 mm -hmm. is just a complete fucking just rip apart of Wakefield Pool. Excellent. Uh, and talking about how he's basically a hack filmmaker, and the only reason that people talk well about him is he's one of the few people who stayed alive out of the era. And Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> And uh, he, you know, he rails on him about him potentially intentionally having uh, AIDS positive performers in his films mm -hmm. and all this other stuff and talks about how uh, he, you know, his films don't have a plot. They're all gonzo stuff and blah, blah, blah. It's just like complete dickhead <laughs> review. And I hate IMDb. I don't like that guy. I'm not having him on the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought the film was. I thought this film was fine. I feel like 
I mean, there's certainly a chance that later on in his career, his films are less effective. But Tobolina effect. (laughs) Perhaps. Um, But, you know, I I think that it's fair to be like, I don't like his films because of this or whatever, but it's just him being a total dick, this reviewer, so fuck him. (laughs) Yeah, if you want to defend yourself, IMDb man, come to us. So we'll we'll get a little bit more into kind of the thematics of the film as we talk mm-hmm. about it and get into our reviews. But there's a lot to be said about what's shown on the screen here and the uh, actual narrative that is here in the film. And uh, we'll get into that. But for now, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk more about Boys in the Sand. <laughs> that bored maybe you should get a better job i was like i'm not like roasting you because i have a bad job that's not it people don't know how to insult people and i think that's really a problem yeah you know uh i go back and i go back and forth on it on how far is too far with an insult yeah it depends at the same time it's an insult so it's meant to offend in some way yeah. If it's completely toothless, then I wouldn't say anything. Right. So, yeah. I made a Nazi shut down their meme page yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's how I'm starting Pride Month. Oh, yeah. What? You didn't tell me the details of uh, that. What the happened? details are basically he posted a real, like, lame, like, white supremacist meme using the using Morpheus from The Matrix. and. Oh, good. Yeah, and I was like... Basically, I just told him he had to resort to using a black actor cast in a film by two trans sisters to make his weird racist point because white people (laughs) hadn't made anything good since uh, The Turner Diaries, which is a classic racist novel that was published in like the early 80s or late 70s. (laughs) Uh, And then he blocked me on his page and I'm unhinged, so I DM'd him. And told him he was a piece of shit. Then I blocked him when I saw he was typing. Then uh, I got bored, so I unblocked him, and he sent me a bunch of messages. Uh, he called me an Antifa commie, which is only partly true. Um, I'm not. I'm not going out to a protest. I'm too fat. Uh, I'm not going to go out there and get hit in the head. And who's a communist in 2021, other than like? People on the internet. Yeah. People on the internet. uh, People think that anything left of far right is socialism. Yeah. And also that socialism is communism. Yeah. It's very fun. Uh, It's fun to talk to people on the internet. But then I made fun of him a little bit more. And then later on, his profile was completely gone. And I got my (laughs) brother to verify that his page wasn't on Facebook anymore. (laughs) So that's how I crushed him completely. So... Raincoat Nation, stay on my good side. <laughs> I will come for you like the storm of God. 
rain down upon you with lightning bolts and uh, hail the size of uh, babies' heads. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, and this is unrelated to this week's topic, but you also uh, were in contact with somebody about the pile driver or the... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah uh, I don't really know him, but uh, he says he's in the industry on uh-huh. Twitter. Let me go back a minute. There, there are enough people in the industry for that to be believable. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe I can call Even him. if it's a name that we don't. Yeah. Let me see. Maybe you'll know his name. Let me... Billy Pilgrim? Is that a name that's familiar to you? Not really, He looks but... like a Bill Margold type. Like, okay. He's just, uh, he's just like a white guy with a beard and glasses. Okay. You know. Oh, he released a new scene. Good for him. Uh, he said that when he did the pile driver, people want to see it. Yeah, I don't know if that's true, but I don't think it's true. I don't want to see it. Someone does. I bet porn producers want to see it, I if bet nothing they else. Do, but he said it took him like three days of recovery after doing it for his legs to feel right again. I've been having knee problems lately, so even just thinking about it makes Be- me feel anxious. Is it because you did a pile driver? No. Oh, yeah. You just like tripped over something your girlfriend left in the way. No, I was... <laughs> It was much worse than that. Oh. I was carrying a pile of pizzas down the basement <laughs> stairs, and I missed the final step and landed awkwardly on my on my foot, and like my knee took the brunt of it. And then like I stumbled forward, but I was trying to keep the pizzas right. from falling. Yeah. So I stumbled like you awkwardly a, forward and just like mangled both of my knees as I was like stumbling forward and trying to save the pizzas. And I did save the pizzas, but my knees have been fucked up for like a month and a half now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're a hero. I know, I am. You saved those pizzas. Well, that's a that's a real fat ass story too. <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful. Uh, uh, but you know what's not a fat ass story? It's actually a story of some very fit young men. Yeah. Some very fit boys, even. No. Yeah, they are young men. Yeah, don't call them boys. Uh, I want I want to be clear that. Uh, as we talk about the boys in the sand, when I use the word boys, I'm referring to young men. Yeah. Uh, and all these young men are uh, in much better shape than I am. Oh, yeah. And wouldn't too. have just completely destroyed their knees by missing a step. Probably not. Probably not. Um, yeah. You want to get this one going? You want to yeah, tell us so where let's, things start? Let's talk about boys in the sand. Let's go. So the film opens with waves crashing onto a beach, and we get boys in the sand drawn into the sand on the beach, starring Casey Donovan is the next line, and then Bayside with Peter Fisk. So there are three vignettes in this film, uh, each titled. Uh, This is Bayside with Peter Fisk and Casey Donovan. Excellent. The film starts with our first boy, Peter Fisk. Mm -hmm. Again, this was uh, Wakefield's uh, partner at the time. Sure. Handsome Um, fellow. Nice little beard. Yeah. Short uh, black hair. Yep. Uh, Jeans and a denim jacket. Yeah. I labeled him as the denim stranger. (laughs) (laughs) He just wanders into town. (laughs) So uh, he's wandering along through... uh, on a, a long like boardwalk and he hops off the pathway and starts running through the sand the titular sand of the film and he is at this point a boy in the sand yes 
Uh, he walks through a wooded area, and after a bit, he emerges out of the trees and onto uh, the beach and uh, looks out over the sea. He lays down a blanket and undresses completely, uh, leaving all of his denim on the sand. Yes, he has a hole in his pants. I didn't notice that. Yes, I did, because it's like the pants I had been wearing around for the... <laughs> like, at the beginning of the year, before I got some new pants. Like, uh, the crotch had, like, ripped out of, like, all three <laughs> pairs of jeans that I own somehow. And I would just hope no one would see my dick. <laughs> and, uh... As far as I know, mission accomplished. Wonderful. Yes. So Peter's looking out to the sea. He's alone and appears somewhat longingly. But as he's looking out to the sea, he sees a man appear. A naked man. A naked, beautiful man. He is a naked man with a big floppy cock. Yes, it is. And this is Casey Donovan. Sure is. Uh, He comes into focus slowly, and he's way out in the water, and he starts to walk and then run towards the shore. We see his big dong flopping around as he's running. This is where Baywatch stole, like, they're, like, the main conceit of the show. Yeah. (laughs) But Boys in the Sand, yeah, Boys in the Sand went further. Yes, it did. We never, you never get to see Hasselhoff's cock flop up and down as he runs down the beach. No, and that's a crime. Yeah, it's probably not as big as casey donovan's but i've never seen it yeah we don't know for sure we don't know that hasselhoff he was a night rider yes he was so, and i think he fucked the car oh which yeah is why that they makes had to sense cancel the show <laughs> it was traumatizing they had to put it down <laughs> so as casey reaches the shore um we get a close-up of his chest, and we see Peter's arm come up and start to caress Casey's chest. The camera moves down, and Peter starts blowing Casey. Uh, we also see that Casey is wearing a metal cock ring here. Yeah, uh, everyone has cock rings in this film. There are a lot of cock rings in this film. Um, I was talking to my friend, and he's just like, gay people just love them. All right. And I was like, all right, I'm on the fringes of that culture. So I don't know everything that goes on. Okay. But cock rings are... uh, They're in. They're in. (laughs) So, you know, if you want to be popular this summer at the beach, (laughs) you got your vaccination. Don't forget your cock ring and don't don't forget your raincoat. Oh, that's the end of the episode. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Damn, that was a short movie. Uh, Okay. Boss, come back. (laughs) So after a minute, Casey walks into the wooded area and uh, Peter pauses a moment and then follows him in. They meet in the shaded area and start to make out. And uh, Casey takes a bracelet off of Peter's wrist and then straps it around Peter's cock as a makeshift cock ring. Okay, I wondered where his came from. Uh, I think I might have briefly looked down and missed that. So, uh, writing something. So they're standing face to face and they've got their cocks next to each other and they're kind of both slowly stroking both of their cocks. Mm hmm. Uh, And then Casey starts to blow Peter. We see them on the ground making out with Peter on top, who works his way down and starts to blow Casey more. And uh, they exchange oral a bit and move into 69. And then uh, Peter lays down, and Casey starts to rim him a bit. And then he starts to fuck him. So Sure fucking does. Yeah, he does. So Casey rails him a bit and then pulls out and uh, strokes over Peter's face and finally gives him a facial, which Peter then sucks his cock a bit more. Peter then gets up, 
spits in his hand and strokes a bit. Casey blows him a bit more. As uh, Peter's stroking, we get more cutaway flashes to shots earlier in this vignette. Yeah, it's nice. I don't and, know. It's, uh, just, it's like a series of like, yeah, just cuts. Yeah, and then uh, Peter finally blows his load onto Casey, who's on the ground. And uh, then Peter takes the bracelet from around his cock and puts it on Casey's wrist. Peter then runs into the water and then fades out into the distance. He vanishes. So now Peter has disappeared into the realm of imagination and the imaginary boy Casey has become a real boy. Excellent. Um, I think. I think so. I think that's what the exchange of bracelets caused. So we see Casey on the shore and he picks up Peter's clothes, putting on his jeans. Yeah, I wondered if I had like watch the film wrong at first i was like wait wasn't the other guy yeah, yeah. it's just he just takes his pants yeah don't get mixed up like i did <laughs> so uh yeah and casey walks away and then we get a cutaway uh, i guess uh introduction to the next sequence where we see poolside with danny DiCuccio or DiCuccio, whatever his name is uh written in the sand this is our second segment here we see Casey sitting on the rail of a dock, and he has a newspaper under his arm. Uh, this is Gay Magazine. It's Ga. That's all it says when you see it tucked under his arm. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's a headline in it about uh, bar raids. Yeah. Um, he walks a bit around on the docks and uh, wanders around and eventually walks through a gate where he's greeted by a dog. It's a fluffy golden dog, not a golden retriever. I'm not sure what breed this is. It's gold, gold dog. So he sits down in a patio chair and starts to read this gay magazine more. Again, the the actual title of the publication is Gay Magazine. Yes. Um, it's not really a magazine. It's more of a newspaper. It looks like a newspaper, but I think Wakefield Pool, when talking about it, called it Gay Magazine. So Excellent. I don't know. I don't know if it's, I assume maybe it's a real publication of the time. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it is. So he fully undresses and he's hanging out by the pool, the pool side, if you will. Yes. As the uh, vignette was titled. Uh, and his dog's just chilling by the chair as he's reading. And then he walks inside and sits at a table after looking at some stuff in the back of it. We don't really see what he's looking at, but he starts to write a letter. We see him finish the letter as time lapses, and uh, as he's finishing the letter, he's stroking his dick a little bit just to stay hard. Yeah. He leaves his place in whiter khaki pants and uh, drops the letter in the mailbox, and then we get a uh, visual indicating the passage of time. There's some calendar pages that are burning. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, I, I think it's like, with uh, maybe a magnifying glass in the sun or something? It seems like it. Because it's uh, not like erupting in flame, but it's, it's just, just slowly wrinkling. And, and, yeah, yeah, something with some sort of like someone with like a one of those big long lighters off screen just going, <laughs> you know, just making it burn and coil. As this is going on, some rock music kicks in and we see Casey dive into the pool. And there's this neat sequence of uh, the calendar pages uh, burning away, overlaid with Casey swimming through the pool naked. It's a very good scene. It's very uh, technically impressive and also it's pretty calming. 
Yeah, it's kind of psychedelic in a way. It's, it's got, got that kind of like an early, like a really early, like music video sort of quality to it. You yeah. know, uh, it's and it's pretty simple. Like it's obviously it's like two images kind of overlaid mm-hmm. like that, but uh, the it looks really good. So that guy was talking about one, two, three. He's fucking stupid. Yeah. There's nothing like this in Succula, let me tell you. Yeah, exactly. That dick. We've made an enemy. <laughs> I'm always making enemies, but it's like a first for you, so I'm, I'm excited. Fucking lore underscore on IMDb oh, on July shit. 7th, 2015. Felt the need to fucking post a fucking hit piece. Yeah. What an asshole. What a piece of shit. Lore, if, you wanna, if you're out there, if you're listening... You're going to face us at the Royal Rumble this March. <laughs> is that when Royal Rumble is? Uh, Royal Rumble's in January. Okay, you're going to face us at Royal Rumble in January. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, there's no chance, there's no guarantee you'll have to actually fight us in a Royal Rumble, <laughs> which is great. Excellent. <laughs> but we're going to get bodied by, I don't know, the big show or something. <laughs> Bray Wyatt in a Slipknot mask. <laughs> Uh, we see Casey visit the Fire Island post office and gets some mail. He rushes away and gets home and undresses completely again. Yeah, he's so excited about the mail that he gets naked, which is pretty common. Yeah, it was hard for me. I, I picked up a package in between recording episodes. And yeah. It was hard for me to stay dressed when I opened it up. I had to saw those gamma Blu-rays. I had one hand holding his shirt down and another hand keeping his shorts pulled up <laughs> and we wrestled for about 20 minutes uh, but i kept him clothed don't worry uh, and i think that's what's most important maybe yeah most important is that now you own multiple copies of the gamera films i guess yeah that's what's most important <laughs> i i actually because i didn't get rid of the old gamera blu-rays that i had that were kind of crappy so i've yeah. actually got three copies of the first few gamera movies right now have a uh, like an old like oh and I generic have, DVD set. Yeah, I have a, a like DVD Japanese sets. monster movies or something. I also have a DVD set that's like sci-fi classics. And it definitely has game. a few of those in it. So four copies at least. I need to get rid of some of this shit. I'm working well, on it. Why do you have so many cop- copies of camera movies? <laughs> it's like your thing for uh, some yes. reason. There's there's more to it, but I'm not going to get into all that. So you just love turtles. Anyway, Casey's excited and he's gotten naked, of course, uh, with and starts to open his small parcel that he's gotten. Inside, it's like a glass case with a small white puck of something. Yeah, it's like a Mentos or something. It's a little like tablet, like yeah. a one of those little thing. It's like something like you throw in the pool and like it gets fizzy. Well, he throws it in the pool and it indeed gets fizzy, but. Instead of it just fizzling out after a moment, the disturbed waters emerge with Danny DiCuccio. Yes. Um, it's like when our you would, next boy. Yeah, it's like when you would grow one of those little uh, dinosaurs. Yeah. For like three days and like a pitcher or something on your parents' counter. And then you would take it out at the end and it would just be uh, just saturated with water. <laughs> it's just so full of water and so wet that if you like touched it it would fall apart right and then if you left it out it would just dry up and maybe like the perfect waste of money <laughs> i just think of the episode of the simpsons where oh, bart's yeah. imagining <laughs> getting it and the it turns into a full dinosaur that's gnawing on lisa yeah 
Uh, instead, Sponge it's just dinosaur. yeah, it just goes down the <laughs> the drain. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of another Simpsons line, uh, just Smithers line, where or not Smithers line. Someone's talking to Smithers, and they say they want to see the dance. They got him kicked off Fire Island. <laughs> <laughs> so um, maybe we'll see some of that. Uh, we'll see something. I don't know if anybody. I don't think anybody got kicked off of Fire Island for the stuff in this film. So. No. Uh, they love them on Fire Island, yeah, these boys. Love, yeah, they love the boys. So uh, Danny pops out of the pool and kisses Casey and starts to blow him. They get on the deck and start to make out and grind on each other, and then Danny straddles Casey's chest and starts to fuck his mouth as Casey's stroking. Danny starts to blow Casey, and Casey tweaks Danny's nipples as he's doing it. Uh, Danny leans back on his shoulders as Casey's rimming him. I was curious if we were going to see a pile driver here, but it, no. it didn't quite get there. It's very Although this is tough on your neck, I'm sure. Yeah, it's very agile ass-eating, though, I will say. <laughs> yeah. This movie's got a lot of uh, stunts, yes, I'll it say. Does. <laughs> uh, Casey blows Danny some more. Um, then Casey starts to fuck Danny, where Casey's on his knees and holding Danny up, and they're face-to-face, and uh, then Danny gets on top and starts to ride Casey a bit. They continue, they 69 a bit, and uh, then Danny gets up and starts to fuck Casey as he's laying on top of some boxes, but the boxes start to buckle, so Danny picks them up and fucks them in the air a bit. Yes. Is uh, that like... Then we see them fucking on a more solid surface. Yeah, it's like deck furniture. Is it boxes? It's like a... I thought it was like some kind of deck furniture, and it just starts to like... It does start to collapse when they do try to... Like thing. I, th- I thought it was it was boxes by the way that it was collapsing, kind of like in the middle and just. Yeah. Bu- I don't know. Maybe it was. It, yeah. I didn't really get a good look. I've never at it. seen anything like it. <laughs> <laughs> we see Casey coming on uh, his own chest, and uh, then we see the two jump into the pool together. They splash around a bit and then get out and towel themselves off and walk away. But then we see Casey by the pool with Danny again. Now they're both dressed. Uh, I guess they went and got dressed. Uh, Danny's wearing a sailor hat (laughs) as they walk away together. Uh, They walk past Peter, who's sitting on the docks. Reading gay. Uh, Reading gay. They walk past a child. Do they? I didn't notice that. Or maybe it's like a very small man. Okay. There was some other person that wasn't one of the boys. It was the child in the sand. (laughs) He should leave. Uh, Yes, he should not be there. Then we get our final segment, an introduction again with uh, Written in the Sand, Inside, with Tommy Moore. So we had Bayside, Poolside, and Inside. Yeah. So we see Casey naked in bed, and he stirs awake and is immediately fondling his cock before he even opens his eyes. Yeah. uh, As one does sometimes. He's a horny boy. Yes, he is. He uh, finally awakens uh, completely and looks outside, and it's at this point that we get introduced to Tommy Moore. Tommy's walking around. He's got a tool belt on. He's looking around. Casey gets up and starts mulling around his place, and we see Tommy looking at some poles like he's going to climb them. Uh, I noted, I bet that's not the only pole he'll be climbing today. I noted Although he never actually did climb the pole. (laughs) I noted that this that he has to climb the pole before he can smoke the pole. Oh, okay. Yeah. We were we were on the same uh We're on the same wavelength. Yes. It's great. 
we see Casey getting out of the shower and toweling off, and he walks up to this door in this place that he's at, and he opens it, uh, and it's just a door to nowhere. Yeah, I don't understand why that's on the house. Uh, yeah, it's a very puzzling architecture. They talk about it a bit on one of the special features on okay. the DVD. There used to be this house um, near where I lived when I lived in um, uh, this one apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would call it the witch's house because it looked like it had been made by like five different people. <laughs> and none of it like looked like it fit together. And they definitely had a door that opened onto nothing yeah. at like, the top. So, so I've weird. seen it before. But uh, not in, like, a context that wasn't slightly, like, uh, alarming. Right. <laughs> so he's looking out, hanging dong over, uh, lo- looking out on the street, and he seems to lock eyes with Tommy, who's looking up at the time. Casey then peeks out a window, and uh, him and Tommy lock eyes again. Casey looks one more time, and then Tommy's gone. So he starts to walk through his house again, and then he... Looks down to the first floor of the area because he's on an area kind of overlooking the rest of the house. And then he sees Tommy naked laying on the couch on the first floor. Then we get a cut straight to Casey blowing Tommy. And a shot of Tommy's dick hanging with some pre-cum on the end that Casey licks off. Yeah. It's a very innovative shot that I've never seen before. Yeah, more pre-cum looking. Uh, Cut to Tommy alone on the couch. And then another cut and he's gone. And then we cut from that to Casey and Tommy upstairs. Tommy's standing around and Casey's blowing him. Um, We see some shots of them in silhouette because we see the light pouring in from outside and it kind of blows out the picture. So we just kind of see their Mm -hmm. silhouettes. It's really cool. As all this is going in between shots, there's a bunch of shots just spinning around these uh, stained glass windows upstairs. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. They make you dizzy? No, but it was interesting. Okay. Casey blows Tommy some more, and then he grabs onto these hooks that are on Tommy's utility belt to really just get some leverage and latch on. That's how you strap yourself to the pole and get up there. You shimmy up. Yeah. They got all that stuff in the basement uh, (laughs) at my parents' house. That's what my dad did. Oh, yeah. He was a lineman. He was a a poleman. (laughs) He was a pole climber. (laughs) I don't think he was secretly going off to fire island to bang i have a theory that he was maybe like a serial killer in the 90s okay that makes sense yeah he just has so many power tools and who buys a van oh yeah yeah he was like the driller killer yeah i think that the and he was always on the road because like other states would like need help like when they had like power outages oh yeah that's the perfect time to serial kill yeah i've put it all together i haven't like done any actual like research to like <laughs> dig up to see like if there was like oh he was in tulsa 95 and there were three prostitutes slain or anything like that <laughs> but uh one day i'll get around to it yeah <laughs> it's not like you've had any time recently to dig into something like that yeah <laughs> uh, so we cut to tommy blinking out of existence upstairs and then we see him laying face down in the bed Casey gets on top and rims him a bit and blows him some more. Then we cut and we see Casey alone, and he's lubing up a big black dildo. Uh, And then he straddles it and starts to ride it. As he's riding it, he does some poppers, I think. Mm -hmm. Which is something that I don't really know much about, other than it's a thing. We should get some (laughs) and do them on air. 
Yeah, we should. Uh, I think like you can get them. Like I could probably go down to like the Love Boutique and buy some poppers. Uh, once again, I was talking to uh, my buddy, and he says the ones in Europe are stronger than the ones in America. But also to be sitting down while you do them, okay. which sounds great. I'm not going to stand up and do a popper and fall down and crack my skull on your fucking 1990s microwave. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll look into it. <laughs> We've got uh, a couple more of these films to get through. Okay. Um, he says they make your hole loose and ready for uh, big dicks. Okay, that so, makes sense. Yeah, I just hope I don't have a full tummy when my hole gets loose. <laughs> Oh, boy. So, uh, Casey keeps stroking as he's riding the dildo. Uh, and then we cut back to Casey and Tommy. Uh, Casey's kissing on Tommy's chest and uh, pulls down Tommy's pants, which are back on. He was back to being clothed. Yeah. He starts to blow Tommy. And uh, we then see Tommy blowing Casey. And uh, Casey removes Tommy's belt. And their dongs kind of hang together, cross like swords. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we see the belt hanging from a door, and then Casey getting blown by Tommy some more. Casey rims Tommy on the bed, fingers his ass some, and uh, slaps his ass, and then starts to fuck him. Tommy goes to ride Casey, uh, but then we see him blowing Casey more, and then he fucks Casey. Then we see Tommy putting a few fingers in Casey. Uh, I it looks like he's about to fist him, but he doesn't actually. Then they fuck a bit. There's some more ass eating. Uh, we get some cuts back to Casey riding the dildo a bit more and stroking. And then... Uh, popping off. Popping off. <laughs> then we see Casey walking around the house a bit more as he's toweling off. Um, he looks down from the second floor to the first floor as he had earlier when he saw Tommy. But Tommy's not down there. He walks downstairs, though, and as he walks downstairs, he looks at the doorway, and Tommy's standing there in the doorway, fully dressed, yes. locking eyes with Casey, and Casey smiles, and they shut the door. And that was the end of Boys in the Sand. That was, uh, I think that's, like, the longest, like, interracial scene we've seen in, like, even, like, in, like, the straight films we've watched at this point. Perhaps. Because I feel like a lot of them are pretty quick like over and done like uh I'm trying to think like ones and like pretty peaches too and uh what canterbury tales yeah. bible tales i think there's some in there yeah um i'm trying to think of other ones and there's one in the first pretty peaches because uh he marries uh the, that lady to be fair just generally speaking yeah. um the, the sex scenes in this film are longer than in most of the films we watch yeah, that's because that's tr basically that's true but at the same time it, like we've seen a lot of long sex scenes that's true and and i would agree that for the most part not i just wasn't thinking about it but you're right that yeah. the interracial scenes i've never seen a particularly long one in these films yeah uh, this one's it's good yeah we're getting all the representation in this month for ignoring Black History Month to talk about <laughs> Jess Franco. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, good film. All right. Well, we'll let's we'll, take a quick break here. We'll take a quick and break. And then we'll, <laughs> we'll be back to talk about Boys in the Sand.
I told her she wasn't good at art because her name's Vintage Art Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> I told her her art sucked. Did and she say anything fun in response? No, she was just trying to say something about abstract art to direct away from me, continuing to own her. <laughs> uh, it was pretty funny because I said something earlier that like got her upset, and then someone responded, she, like, why do you always have to be so insulting? And she <laughs> liked it. <laughs> and then like made like a response and that person was like no i was talking about you <laughs> and then i was like you then i responded that she was a dummy and that's what set that last part off <laughs> excellent pretty good i love twitter and also hate it <laughs> uh okay well uh we are back on the raincoat report and we're gonna talk some more boys in the sand so jeremy poison a sand poison a sand no, <laughs> we're talking more boys in the sand. Oh, that's great. Uh, so, Jeremy, it's time for you to give your first rainbow review. Oh yeah, I like this movie. I thought it was quite good in its ways yeah. and means. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, there's like like Lore said. So it's kind of gonzo. I mean, like, not really, but, like, there's no, like, real plot to it. But that said, it's kind of just, like, uh, I don't want to... Because he didn't make it to have, like, a narrative, you know? Like, I don't think that was really necessarily, like, his overall intention. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wakefield Pool. It's definitely, like, a set of experiences and fantasies of maybe various people or just Casey Donovan. <laughs> uh, even though he only... Cause he appears like five minutes in and emerges from the sea. So I can't tell what is and isn't real. Um, it's, just like it's a it's sort of a relaxing film for all the ass pounding that goes on, you know, uh, like uh, obviously Wakefield's a pretty, uh, I think he does a pretty good job uh, as far as like cinematography and direction and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, his camera is kind of shaky, but he gets like good angles on, um, like the sex and like a lot of nice shots like of uh them like kind of like obscured behind like trees and stuff like that yeah like a lot of good framing and things like that so i feel like technically it's a it's pretty nice Mm -hmm. um we talked about that shot in the pool earlier we're just kind of swimming around while those pages float by right while he's waiting for his imaginary man to come Mm -hmm. uh so i like it like that I like it like that. <laughs> oh, fuck. That song's in my head now. I wish I hadn't started thinking ever. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's it's narrativeless, basically. So it's kind of hard to judge it on the criteria that I would judge, like, a lot of the stuff we talk about on, like, acting and things like that, because no one's really acting very much. I mean... Mm, I mean... Sort of. Sort of. I mean, it's not... You, we're not... We're not we're able not treated to judge some, their There's dialogue. no dialogue. Yeah, that's... So their motivations, besides sex, are unclear. But I think that's the only motivation that counts. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm troubled finding words for this one. I think what I like most about it is I felt like all the performers had pretty decent chemistry. Yeah. Uh, which is something you don't always see in porn films, especially straight porn films. Uh you know, you're not really ever sure if, like, everyone's really attracted to each other. Right. But, like, just sometimes, like, the way he'll, like, film them just kind of, like, 
touching like each other's like back or hair or something mm-hmm. it does feel like a lot more intimate than a lot of uh the stuff we've watched mm-hmm. which i think was his goal like you said at the beginning like right. he thought the one like the loop thing he's always just kind of grimy and disgusting so i think for like his ends i think it's a pretty successful film mm-hmm. um on that it's it's good to watch i like the sex is pretty great mm-hmm. um if you're into gay sex uh I am, so it's, it's it's pretty tight. I would say it's maybe not the most engaging all the time. Okay, but I, I enjoyed it. I go with a three and a half. I think okay. to kind of end this rambling review. I liked when the music became an endless series of sitars playing. <laughs> oh yeah, that was uh, uh, in that last segment. Yeah, I'm gonna say thinking about it a little bit. The narrative is kind of it's neat because it's. It's very dreamlike in its way. Like you're, yeah. You get treated to stuff like him riding the dildo while he's with uh, Tony, Tommy Moore, Tommy. Yeah, okay, Tommy. Like with Tommy, where you're not sure if you know that's just like a scene he's imagining based on, you know, seeing this hot guy earlier, and he's like, oh yeah, that would be, you know, mm-hmm. doing poppers and just being like real in his head while he's riding his dildo, or right, you know. So like all this might be his masturbatory fantasies. But uh, you get to see them played out in uh, different interesting scenarios. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it. I think it's a very important film. Yes. So Just like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I did quite a bit of research as mm-hmm. I was kind of looking through this and kind of going through special features and reading some things online. So... Because of that, my opinion on this may be a bit influenced by all of the uh, things that I've read as well. So there are some things to kind of keep in mind when it comes to the thematics here and the way that the film was made. So one thing to keep in mind is uh, you talked about how the people in the film seem to have quite a bit of chemistry. Yeah. One of the things that Wakefield Poole did when he was filming this, and I'd imagine his later films mm-hmm. as well, is he ju- he didn't really give them a whole lot of direction. Yeah. He let them kind of so do their kind of own feel, thing. Yeah, it does and, feel like that a lot. Yeah, and, and he was just kind of there to document what happened right so and and i think that that's one of those reasons that that their chemistry kind of comes across on camera is because he's not like all right now flip them over and fuck them in the ass or whatever yeah he's just kind of for sure letting like, them go at their own pace and like do what they would do right and there's definitely like you do see it in some of the other stuff we covered like uh i can too naughty to say no the sex scene between uh jamie gillis and whoever not the star was uh they seem to have good pretty good chemistry mm-hmm. you know like she was shaking by the end and he seemed like pretty pleased with himself mm-hmm. uh so it felt so it does happen but there's less like of that kind of hands-on kind of touching caressing sort of thing in i think straight films it's a lot of it you do kind of tend to maybe like have a, a couple minutes of kissing and like some caressing, but then it's pretty much straight to penetration. Yeah, yeah. And this all like uh, it takes longer to get to. For sure. Like uh, there's like a scene early on when Casey Donovan comes out of the sea and uh, you just see Fisk's hands kind of going up and down his abdomen. Mm-hmm. There's you don't see quite as much stuff like that. Yeah. Where they kind of take the time to uh, 
kind of like worship the body a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And one of the other keys <laughs> here is just Wakefield Pool's background, mm-hmm. uh, not as a filmmaker, but in, uh, you know, show productions mm-hmm. um, and choreography. So one of his kind of hallmarks is showing more than telling and a lot of his films have little to no dialogue this one having none yeah i think they were saying on realtor report bijou has like one line of dialogue or something like that so so i was a little worried hearing that going in but i think mm -hmm. it mostly it paid off for the most part like i don't really miss the dialogue that much Um, and and so because of that i think that there's a just major focus on his part on the cinematography. And again, he's not a trained filmmaker. So, you know, you noted that his camera kind of wanders a bit, but at the same time, I think that that gives it a bit of an aesthetic of its own because the camera is kind of engaging and reacting more so than being kind of set up to look at a certain thing and you know being directed. Okay, you do this. I'm going to have the camera over here and all that. Um, you know, he saw the camera as kind of a, a participant in the sex act in the sense that it's kind of reacting to what's happening. Mm-hmm. In reading and researching about it, you know, one of the keys to this film is thematically it's about fantasy mm-hmm. and uh, loneliness. Yeah. So if you kind of look at the first section, um, you know, Peter Fisk is alone by himself looking out to the sea. He's always alone. He's the denim stranger. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, and, you know, Casey Donovan in that scene is more or less conjured up as his fantasy at the time. Um, you know, and again, he kind of persists throughout the film, which makes it questionable from a plot standpoint. But, um, you know, it's about Peter being there alone and lonely, and he summons this, you know, beautiful young man out of the sea, and uh, they have their fun experience. I'm not sure exactly why Peter disappeared into the sea himself. I don't know. uh, He'd had enough of life. Right. But um, then we have the second scene, poolside, with uh, Danny, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Casey's alone at home. He's just there with his dog, and reading magazines and writing letters and tugging his dong and mm-hmm. but he orders this man out of the back of gay magazine yeah he orders and, the, uh, the, the man tablet so again this is kind of a, a weird fantasy thing in the sense that of course you can't uh order a man tablet and throw it in the pool and get a man but it's you know again up. this is <laughs> this is a his fantasy and uh you know him overcoming loneliness here And then the final scene with uh, Tommy Moore is interesting because the the read on it that I got was that the idea is that Casey and Tommy aren't having sex in the scene. That Casey's just masturbating. Right. That's what. Yeah. I think that's what I got on it. Yeah. Um, and, And in this scene, more so than the other ones, I think it's interesting because. Casey isn't really sustaining the fantasy. We keep seeing Tommy disappear yeah. and then slowly see him by himself and all of that. Right. And I think that it's interesting having that last because if you kind of think about it, it really makes the rest of the earlier scenes make more sense because mm-hmm. we're seeing kind of the seams of this fantasy here falling apart. Right. Whereas in the other ones, it's more perfect and you, you don't really see it falling yeah, apart. Yeah, it's... It's just surreal in the sense that it's not stuff that would actually happen. Right. Yeah. This one's a little bit more like kind of 
detached. He's drained from stroking it all day. Yeah, riding his, riding is, his dildo. And- his mind is riddled by poppers. <laughs> you can't but, maintain it. But, and I think that that makes the very ending that much more poignant in the mm-hmm. sense that Casey walks down the stairs and actually sees Tommy in the doorway. So in that sense, it almost feels like, you know, that's him. That's his... Uh, his loneliness finally coming to an end for real in the yeah. sense that he's he's finally got Tommy there and they're probably going to rail each other. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost certain. Almost certainly. Why wouldn't they? They're, they're on Fire Island. That's what yeah. you, that's nothing else to do. It's clearly a very boring town based on very boring, empty town. <laughs> but uh, it's very interesting. Um, the locations are really cool. Um, all of them, you know, the mm-hmm. first one's pretty simple and straightforward. You got the beach a little bit and then just kind of in the trees on fire Island, you know, but it's an interesting location in the sense there's a lot of shadow there. You know, there's a lot of trees to shoot through and get kind of some texture to the scenes. Then we have the poolside scene. And again, we have all the, the furniture there, but it's a really nice little, uh, pool house that we see as well. It's very you know, even today, it seems kind of like a modern design and stuff. Yeah. It's really cool looking. Um, and then the final scene in that weird house with all those like doorways to nowhere and stuff, and yeah. the uh, the walkway that's kind of overhanging everything else mm-hmm. and stuff. It's very cool, and there's a lot to show off. All those stained glass windows yeah. and stuff. I feel like, yeah, he's a very good eye for locations, uh, kind of like Franco. Yeah, I, and, I, and and there's a lot of stuff that I could relate between him and Franco's approach to stuff, even though the results are very different. Right. Um, um, he, and Franco also has kind of a wandering camera. Yeah, and he kind of does a lot of like very dreamlike sex scenes where you're not really sure kind of mm-hmm. if it's happening or not. Right. So I kind of see it. He does it in a much sleazier way, right? For sure, but uh, I can definitely see where like there would be some parallels and like their styles of filmmaking, right? Yeah, I mean, it's I think both are very visual in their style. I would say that despite not being an accomplished filmmaker, Wakefield's results are seem a bit more professional. Yeah, um, but you know, regardless, it's 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 a lot of the same stuff. Did he make any movies about Frankenstein? I don't think so. Wasted opportunity. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what you gonna give this one, buddy? You know, I like I like a lot about it. Um, you know, even discarding its importance in history. Um, there's a lot of visual stuff I like. I like the music for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's very good and interesting and kind of helps keep the dreamy feel of everything. Yeah. One thing that hampers my enjoyment, which will be a recurring theme during the Rainbow Report, yep. is just that I don't particular—I'm not aroused by guys having sex with each other. Well, um, I don't. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not—I'm uh, not bothered by it, and I find these films, in particular, since these are things I've never seen before, mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting, especially those uh, films with particular historical uh, importance, like this one. Mm-hmm. But I can recognize the filmmaking being very good. It definitely checks a lot of the boxes of the things that I like. Right. Overall, I'm going to give it three and a half stars as well. Okay. If I were more aroused by this film, it, it would easily be a four. I need just a couple words to get it to a four. Okay. I need, I need to hear somebody's voice. <laughs> Fair enough. I always fall asleep <laughs> during the first like 20 
30 minutes of 2001 A Space Odyssey because no one talks. <laughs> I'm just a little to sleep by classical music. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, fair. Yeah. I started with this one last night on my uh, marathon jam session of uh, all the stuff we were supposed to cover, so I avoided that. Yeah. Uh, I watched, I think, The Big Snatch last because I was like, that one, I know for sure, has dialogue. Right. I wasn't completely sure about Succula. Right. So, uh, what a ride it's been. What a ride it's been. What a ride Casey took. <laughs> yes, he took many rides. Yes, he did. Uh, and uh, for that, we appreciate it. Yeah. It's a fine day. All That's right. the first of the Rainbow Report. Yep. Join we us have, uh, next week. Five episodes. Yeah. Because of June having five Wednesdays this year. Yeah. And boss wouldn't let me call it what I wanted to call it. What was that? I don't think I can say it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, okay. Well, uh, you know, when you're uh, running around Fire Island, uh, jumping from dong to dong and fantasizing about all the uh, dongs. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, don't forget your raincoat. Yeah. Don't forget your words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>